Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. You think I'm dramatic for saying that Summer House is the best show currently on Bravo? Look, I think we have put dramatic far out the window and have crossed that line like ages ago. Dramatic is fine. And I so agree with you. This week was like the kind of episode where if I was trying to convince someone to watch Summer House, I would show them this and I think it would sell them. Yes. And you know something? Obviously, you have to know the prior dynamics to get why it was so good. But even if you came in completely blind, I still think it performed. It was so good. It was straight up a soap opera. And what you forget is that this whole thing existed phenomenally in and of itself, but then adding the winter house context, it really upped the stakes. It's incredible television, and I'm so happy to be here to talk about it. I would be lying to you if I said I really know where to start because I don't, but one thing about Lindsay, she is going to give us an excellent birthday party. She is the epitome of like a birthday bitch. And Mm -hmm. that really bodes well for us for television because Lindsay has such a way about her. And then for it to be her birthday, to really turn the volume up on everything that Lindsay is and stands for. And also just like the character of Lindsay Hubbard. I couldn't ask for better content. And that also amplified every single situation because it gave her this sort of ammunition to anything that happened to say, I don't give a fuck. It's my birthday. Right. And the the greatest thing about her is that she would have done exactly that regardless of what day it was. It's just that it gave her almost something to stand behind, which just made it from the viewing experience so much more fun. And it also gave her such a power trip where she felt like this was her party, almost that it was her house for the weekend. So it gave her like a leg up to be able to call the shots and call people out and say, no, not at my birthday party. This is my weekend. I sort of own the weekend. Okay, just to start out with the first scene, Lindsay and Austin making out at the side of the house. We left off last episode with exactly this moment. And 
Before we get into how absolutely terrible Austin was from start to finish, just on a very logistical note, do you know how miraculous it is for them to have this make out relatively publicly and for no one to see? Like, I'm not even saying for Sierra or anybody else intimately involved for them not to see. I'm talking, there was not one party guest or at least one party guest that would have ever gone over to anyone in the house that saw this go down. It was pretty ballsy. I guess neither of them necessarily cared that was sort of the attitude was that they didn't care, but they happened to get away with it. I mean, I understand sort of both of them are major flirts and almost have no boundaries. So I do see how these things come to happen. Like she sort of leaned in for a playful kiss. It turned into more than that. They clearly have history before. And you know what? I got to be honest. I really forgot and maybe like blocked out the whole Winterhouse plotline of Lindsay confessing that she was in love with Austin. I knew they always had a thing and they had a fling and she was definitely part of this story and a factor in the Sierra and Austin thing. But to hear her again say, I'm in love with you, it really brought me back to reality of like, oh, this is the fucking situation. It is the situation, and we'll get into this, obviously, as we discuss it, but it was very clear to me in this episode, Lindsay is not in love with Austin because, quite frankly, she doesn't really give a shit in the way that Sierra gave a shit. She, I think, adores him as a person. She likes the attention. She likes the sexual connection, but she's not in love with him, and maybe if she was during Winterhouse, fine, but the reason that she was able to operate with the shamelessness that she was is because the stakes were lower for her. Like She didn't actually care in the same way that Sierra cared. She's much less in love with him than she is just very territorial, protective over him. Yes. And I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that she does feel like they have a unique connection, which they do. I'm not saying it's a good one, but it's definitely unique. Yeah, I guess it's unique. I think she just likes to be sort of like the apple of his eye in a way. I don't know. I think once she started realizing that other people were kind of vying for his attention, it became even more attractive for her to be like, no, he's my best friend. He's sleeping in my room. I'm in love with him. We have history, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of this to say, this is on the backdrop of Carl with this girl, Mackenzie, who seems very sweet. But now Carl and Lindsay are together and he is like completely removed and thinks this whole situation is absolutely insane. It really, it fucks with you. I got to be honest. I can't even believe that these are like the same people that I'm looking at on Instagram that are on this show. It feels like they're just acting. (laughs) I know. We are getting so close. I feel it in my bones that we are getting so close to that first glimpse of whatever the switch was that happened. Because as we know, we never get the full thing because it didn't happen entirely throughout the summer. But like, I don't know, let's say a week or two from now, we're going to be on this podcast and we're going to be like, holy shit, did you see in the to be continued, the conversation they had or the kiss that they shared or something? Because right now, you're right, they're existing in two separate worlds. Like here's Lindsay on the side of the party in her fairy costume making out with Austin. And here's Carl trying so hard to make Mackenzie feel included and comfortable. And it's like, these worlds are about to collide in a way that we could have only dreamed of. I almost want to draw the comparison to Courtney and Travis because they... Same thing. We're best friends for all these years and it didn't happen until it did. And it's like there's literally a moment where all of a sudden someone you've been staring at changes, like something in your eyes and your heart just completely changes. And it's like to me, it's even more fascinating for that to happen than just love at first sight. Like I think that 
this whole storyline of two best friends that have gone through so much together and been there for life events and you never thought of them in a certain way to all of the sudden be like the love of your life. To me, it's like the most intriguing love story you could see. And that has added such another layer to this season of Summer House, which is already so good. Right. Forget about that. If you never knew that Carl and Lindsay ended up together, this would still be excellent television. You add that plot line in, it changes things. And by the way, what's so interesting here is that it's not that they never saw each other that way. I mean, they had a history. There was yeah. a romantic connection there. But I mean, listen, this is just like my gut feeling and I know we'll watch it play out. I think there was always a part of her, even if it was super, super deep in the back of her head or the bottom of her heart that felt a certain way about Carl, but confronting that feeling was potentially too painful because she didn't think it was a reality. Whereas I think for Carl, he had completely moved on. He viewed Lindsay almost that of a sister. So for it to just like revisit itself in this way, it's so crazy. (laughs) Okay, I have the, another really, really weird comparison to make. Yeah, let me hear it. Let me hear it. So when you're going through rush for sororities, like something, <laughs> uh, advice that a lot of people always gave me and I heard to everyone was like, this is the time where you want to feel comfortable and not take a risk. Like this is not the time to go out of your comfort zone. And I almost feel like Lindsay was operating all the time of like, I want to find someone who's like, wild and crazy and sweeps me off my feet. And it's like, at the end of the day, you got to just go with your comfort zone. And I'm not saying to be like settling or like comfortable, but I think she realized in a lot of ways, Carl is her best friend and her comfort and someone who she never gets sick of and feels her most truest self with. And it's like, you know what? You got to just go with your your comfort on this one. Like this is not the time to make take a risk and be with someone that you feel like you need to change. Like I think she just had this moment of realization of like he's it. Like that is it. That's what I need and that's what I've been looking for. Or maybe I wasn't looking for it. I didn't know I was looking for it. Right. First of all, I actually very much appreciate that analogy, although it potentially is very niche, but I I hear you because I remember sitting in the final round of Rush and feeling that way. But I think with Lindsay, it's not that she could be herself because I actually think she's pretty much herself in every relationship or every situation. I think it's more so that it's like, I am myself and he loves and accepts every single part of me. And that was the issue. You know, with these other guys, they either wanted to change her or they couldn't accept her for who she was. And to her credit, she's stayed consistent. It's not that she hasn't stayed consistent. It's that she never found a guy that could kind of level up or could accept her for exactly as she was. So here's Carl, who's loved her as a friend in, in her greatest and worst forms. And yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing that I we isn't even in this episode, but I know it's very present in our minds. Yeah. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. 
It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, so in order to start discussing the whole Sarah Austin Lindsay situation, I want to point to a moment that happened at the very end of this episode, which was the preview for next week, when she's sitting in that room with Paige and she basically says, he just embarrassed the fuck out of me. And she kind of has this come to Jesus moment where she realizes that the last 48 hours has been some of the most disgusting behavior she's ever experienced by a man. Obviously in the moment, she wasn't realizing that as clearly. And I think that her upset was a little bit misdirected, which we will get into. But what I think is really interesting is that obviously they filmed the confessionals after the fact. And when she's in that black outfit, the one where she looks fucking gorgeous, you know, with her tits out and like her hair in the... (laughs) like literally the best look I've ever seen anyone in a confessional. You can see in her eyes and just her entire demeanor, not only the pain, but also the general disgust that she feels towards Austin. And seeing that and knowing that she experienced that was validating for me because in the moment, you felt like you lost her for a minute. I mean, I would say throughout this entire episode, you wanted to shake her and be like, I understand why you're upset, but it's at the wrong fucking person. Yes, and- I think Austin really manipulated the whole situation into Sierra feeling like she was like desperate for vying for him. And it's like, no, you guys had a very reciprocal, very legitimate. I mean, there was points in Winterhouse where we thought Sierra and Austin felt like not necessarily endgame, but it could become much more than just like a couple week long hookup. So now to see where they're at here and just like the lack of of any respect or regard for her feelings was so disappointing. Mm -hmm. What they kept saying about Austin is a different person here versus there. He literally kept just, I didn't recognize him. And that is like such a sad, scary feeling. And I think she felt the same way is just, he sort of had this weird attitude. He was drinking, he was around Lindsay. He was filming a show, which he is definitely not used to this kind of filming versus the kind that they do on Southern Charm. It's very different, as we saw last week when he starts, like, trying to hook up with Sierra in bed. And she's like, you know the camera's rolling. Like, this is totally not his comfort zone. It's not an excuse. But I can't help but really feel that here's Sierra, okay? She has such deep, legit feelings for him. Imagine how she feels. Paige, who has no, like, love 
relationship, any deeper feelings with Austin than just a friend. She feels so upset and mortified and like so pissed off at the situation on her own. So imagine how Sierra feels on top of it to have these like inner conflicting feelings for this person. I mean, that's how bad his behavior was. It was disgusting. I mean, it was absolutely disgusting and such a turnoff. And by the way, I saw a lot of things online that were in a joking manner being like, you know what? This episode was the best thing that could have ever happened for Madison LaCroix because she's probably looking at this and saying like, <laughs> see, I told you guys. And what I my response to that is, it's not as simple as that. Like, yeah, he sucks, but you know what? She was right there with him. They were a completely toxic duo. I don't think that it's fair to blame it all on him. I think in that particular situation, it was both of them. But what you did see, and very clearly when he literally said to Sierra that he would think it would be hot if she told him to fuck off, is that this guy thrives in chaos. He, There is something about getting a rise out of women that I actually think he's turned on by. And it's very, very clear here. You watch that pattern happen because at, at every single moment, there was a fork in the road where he could have taken the safer or less confrontational or more mature option. And he always chose the opposite. And that's not a coincidence. That's a guy that clearly establishes this pattern of behavior because there is something about it that gets him going. And he likes riling the shit up out of people. Imagine a Lindsay versus Madison like duel. Can you think of anything more chaotic? Wait, by the way, that's the most fun thought I've ever heard. But second (laughs) second of all, I don't know if people would think about this. This should totally be a watch what happens poll. To me, it's Lindsay every day of the week. Like not in terms of even that I like her more. Of course I like her more, but I'm saying I would put my money on her every day of the week in terms of a verbal altercation. Hmm. I, I don't know. I think it really depends. And I think if it was centered around Austin, that's a whole other ball game. It is a whole other ball game. I mean, I think the difference is that Lindsay, at least at this moment in time when this was filmed, Lindsay respects Austin more than Madison ever respected him, even at the core of their relationship. And maybe that's to Madison's credit. Maybe Madison you know, saw a, a terrible side of him that Lindsay was blind to see. But like, I feel like Lindsay would go harder for him than Madison was, even though Madison was the one that was dating him. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think Madison also got to feel like, oh, Austin's my little puppet. Like she's seen him basically be like such a pussy and do whatever the fuck she wants and says. And like she walks all over him and then he bounces right back. Whereas with Lindsay, I think she has a lot more respect for Austin and almost wants to be like, with him and on his side like I said like she feels like it's so cool and honorable to be like the one that he's into at the moment or the one that is considered his best friend so their perspectives of Austin also comparing is like I think night and day you know now that you say that it's so true like here's what it is Lindsay thinks that Austin is a lot cooler than Madison ever thought Austin was right yeah yeah maybe for like a minute in the beginning Madison saw that in Austin but as soon as she like I don't know got her hands on him she's like okay this is like my new toy yes yes that's exactly what it was okay (laughs) so so many moments here I mean I think the thing that Sierra was really struggling with in this episode was her timing. And again, I I feel bad because I think watching it in retrospect, I'm sure it was very cringeworthy for her, but like there was just no world in which the conversation with Austin or with Lindsay was ever going to be successful at the moments that she chose to have them. To me, Austin's responses to her every single time she tried to have a conversation were just so fucking rude. Like I literally, my blood was boiling every time he'd be like, about what? Here? Now? Like, no. Like, 
everything he said just could not have been ruder. So I get how she kind of felt like she had to be kind of adamant, like, no, we got to talk now or else it's never going to happen. And I feel like it's a necessary conversation. But they never did it in the right environment. It was in the kitchen. It was outside in the pool. It was when they were both drunk or it was in the bedroom when they attempted and Andrea is sitting right there. He's like, you know, I'm right here. It was never going to be a productive conversation in this specific environment. And then on top of it, Austin giving this fucking attitude, it was just setting her up for failure. And then on top of that, her timing with trying to talk to Lindsay when it's Queen Lindsay's birthday and she does not want to talk. She does not give a fuck. And she also, regardless of her birthday, seemingly really just not care about Sierra and is very willing to put Austin ahead of any sort of semblance of a friendship or relationship that she's ever had with Sierra. She does. She's honestly proud probably to admit that too. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing was in terms of just the Austin and Sierra conversation, it was never going to be a good time to have the conversation because there was nothing that could have come of it that would have made Austin like quote, look good. But the thing is he didn't care about looking good. He cared about coming in there and creating chaos. A direct quote when he says to her, how do you feel about the fact that Lindsay kissed me on the mouth? Aside from the fact that Lindsay didn't fucking kiss you, you guys kiss each other. That is a man who is actively looking to get a rise out of a woman because he gets off on that because there is something about his insecurity where he is excited. And I would almost go as far as to say he is aroused by the idea of multiple (laughs) women fighting over him or getting, you know, just their heart rate up because of his actions. It's sick. It's so twisted. And that's why, like I said earlier, in retrospect, I think Sierra looks at this and it's like, God, did I look like an idiot. And you know what? I'm, I'm not putting the blame on her. The blame is on Austin, but yeah, we can call it like it is. She looks back and it wasn't her proudest moment. And I think she'd be the first one to say that. Especially think about this. This is a girl who, a guy's coming for the weekend and she has somewhat of a expectation of what this weekend will look like while he's here. Just based on pure fact of how they were the last time they were together in a house and where they left off with things and the conversations that they've had. Like she was not delusional in any way in expecting that the weekend would go somewhat of a specific way. I'm not saying it was going to be their honeymoon, but she figured he's not sleeping in Lindsay's bed. He doesn't need to sleep in mine, but that's the respectful thing. Or we're probably going to make out. We'll spend a lot of time together. You know, he's here, I'm single, he's single. I think she had a very specific picture of how things were going to go. And when they didn't not even go that way, they went like the complete opposite. She was probably so fucking caught off guard and was like, wait a minute, is this the same person that walked into the house? Like, who are you? I I don't even know what's going on. And I understand her sort of like whiplash of the situation. To go back to your sorority analogy, I don't know why college is so (laughs) present in my mind, probably, probably because you said that. It almost felt like when you'd be in college and somebody was having their, not boyfriend, but a guy that they were maybe hooking up with come visit from another school. And they were expecting that they were going to have kind of a weekend together. And then the guy or girl, whoever the person was, gets there and they're so caught up in just the environment of like tailgating in college and they spend no time with them. They're making out with someone else in front of them. Everybody's drunk. Chaos ensues. It almost kind of had that energy. Like as I was watching it, I was like, oh shit, I've seen this go down before. You know, it was very similar in that regard. And Sorry, I have so many thoughts. I'm gonna. I I hear myself talking fast. I'm gonna slow it down. I'm just so. Okay. I'm just, I was. I was so excited by this episode. Like it was my favorite <laughs> thing that happened this week. But 
It's just like, I knew obviously that a conversation with Lindsay was never going to go down in the way that Sierra wanted it to go down. But I know before we were talking about timing, yes, of course the timing was wrong, but the real core of it was that Lindsay just didn't care as much. And like, it's very hard when you are feeling so passionate and so upset about something and you're going at it with somebody who just like kind of doesn't care because I forget who the person was. Was it Paige or was it Amanda that point blank asked Lindsay, do you care that Austin is also doing this with Sierra? And her response is like, no. And you see that very clearly evidenced by the fact that she brings home another guy that night. And that's why Sierra was never going to win because she was going so hard at Lindsay. And not only did Lindsay just not want to engage with her, she also wasn't upset at Austin. And that's what it was. It was like Sierra was holding him to a standard that he should be held to completely. The guy was acting like a total fucking idiot, but Lindsay was down for his fuckboy behavior because she was down to do the same thing. And that's where they were so misaligned. I also think the difference in their personalities, which is not a good or bad thing, it just is very evident. Sierra, if the tables were turned, would just have a little more empathy for Lindsay, no matter their status of their friendship, even if they're not best friends, just because they're housemates, they live together, they have seen each other in so many moments. Whereas Lindsay just doesn't really feel that. And that's fine. Like, that's just who she is. So I think Sierra is having such a hard time understanding, like, I'm here with my feelings really hurt. Like, how can you really not care about me too? And I don't even think Lindsay thought about Sierra in the equation. She really was thinking more about Austin and also how it pertained to her completely. And by the way, I can't even believe we haven't touched on this yet. We got to get into the page and Austin of it all because- Oh, <laughs> I mean, like, listen, I've been waiting to talk about this. How much fun was that? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what other use, words to use. Like, yeah, you fucking try to slam the door in her. Let her come at you. That was really fun to watch. And then she's going to tell Craig all about it. And I don't know. I saw some mixed feedback on this because I think some people- feel like Paige has such blind loyalty to Ciara. And in a lot of ways, she totally does. But I could watch her go up against Austin all day. I think that's just called being a really good friend. It's not like Ciara did something unforgivable. Paige was just sticking up for her friend. And to me, the whole door slamming thing was just a representation of how fucking heated and pissed off Paige was getting at Austin. But she had no specific like skin in the game that it had to do with her. So the minute he did something disrespectful, she just snapped. Every emotion that she had been feeling, because I think she's super empathetic to her best friend, Sierra, and also was getting so mad at Lindsay for the way she was handling things, it all bubbled to the top and she just lost it. And I don't blame her. And it probably felt so good. And it the Craig thing is really interesting because Austin and Craig are best friends. However, Craig has had his fair share of problems with Austin and is not afraid to call him out because at the end of the day, yeah, they're brothers, whatever, but he knows that Austin has assholey tendencies and qualities about him. So I don't think in that moment she was afraid. And I think Sierra would have called her out and said, you're only not going up against Austin because of Craig. And that is the last thing that she would ever want to do is not be true to herself and also be a good friend just because she's now starting to get a relationship with Craig. And you know what? Craig probably watched us and said, yeah, right on. Like Austin was such a dick. He deserved every second of that. 1,000 million percent, I think that he would have said that. And also, let's just call it like it is. It's not like Craig is such a stranger to that type of behavior. I definitely think that he has seriously matured, but there was a time when he acted 
not the same, but similarly to Austin, right? So right. He, he, yeah, no, for sure. And yes, I think that there was a part of Paige that was happy that Austin slammed that door because you're right. It gave her a tangible excuse to go at him and to release the frustration she felt. And I, I don't know. I saw, again, mixed feedback about this. I thought she handled it beautifully. I think she did too. I think she had no choice. And also I think it would have been way more sort of drama and out of nowhere for her to just like go up to Austin and be screaming like, you're an asshole, you're a loser, everybody knows it. This gave her like, okay, oh, you really stepped in here and think you are running the joint and you are simply a guest. And she was not going to let him forget it. No, and nor should she. And by the way, it's so funny because like this whole episode, I was getting so mad at Austin. Like I really, I, on behalf of all women, I felt like I was just, (laughs) my, my blood was just boiling. But as I'm discussing this and as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, you know what? Thank God this motherfucker was here because this is the best TV we've gotten all month. Yeah, it's so hard. And it's like, of course, I don't want him to break Sierra's heart. But also, it really gave us all something to talk about and think about. And I am just so curious to how this reunion will go down because I'm for sure Austin will be there. And I also, oh my God, and hello, the Danielle element of it all. I mean, they're... Page to Sierra and Danielle to Lindsay, the fierce loyalty and just like really stepping up for your best friend is so apparent. And that is something that you just don't really get in a lot of shows. Honestly, you don't get that kind of loyalty in Housewives. I'm going to say it. The women have sides. They pick who they love and they say, you didn't stick up for me or you, you know, you could have said more in this moment. You never see anyone going to bat like that. And that to me is so refreshing because I get it. Like if you and I are sitting in this house and something happened, that's the kind of thing I would not only want to give, but I would also expect. Completely, and as you should imagine us in this situation, by the way, just like hilarious. No, I obviously can't, just like in this theoretical world. I mean, that's the thing about Danielle, though, and that's why she works. And I would say that that's the same thing as Paige. Like, as loyal as Danielle is, she is equally as level headed and equally as rational. And even in the moments where she is so pissed on behalf of Lindsay, I still think that when she expresses that frustration, she does it in a way where you can tell that she's thinking about the situation. In it with a very clear head. I mean, she quite literally said what everybody was thinking while watching, but she had the wherewithal in the moment to say, why are you two beautiful, powerful, intelligent women fighting over this fucking asshole? She said yeah. that, which obviously we're watching it and we're like, duh, but in the moment, you don't know if you know everybody would say that because you're so caught up in defending your friend. That's why Danielle is one of the most trustworthy narrators we have. She doesn't let the chaos of the moment take away from like seeing the situation from a bird's eye view. And that's a very, very rare quality in general, but specifically as a Bravo cast member. Danielle is just one of the best people ever. I just love everything about her. And I think she does bring that sense of calm. And I also think she has the very acquired skill of knowing how to handle Lindsay and delicately walk the line and also has Lindsay's 100% trust because let's face it, let's, you know, call it like it is. Lindsay is one of a kind and she is probably, and she has a specific way that you have to deal with things with her. And I think Danielle knows her so well and is, is one of the only people who is able to call her out, work out things, but also have the best time with her and have her back no matter what. And then like, that is a really thin line, I think. So we need Danielle. If we have Lindsay, we need Danielle. And this situation, I think if Danielle had not been there, could have been much worse. And I was just so grateful for her. And now 
I am very curious, though, to see how this sort of blows up as to become a her versus Sierra situation. I am so curious what happens next week. And to add on to that, it is almost insulting that we end an episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey on the ropes course, which is, I would say, a pretty underwhelming episode. Maybe some, you know, situation with Teresa at the end with a black screen, white text to be continued. And this episode of Summer House doesn't get it to be continued when you're telling me the preview for next week, Sierra's throwing a wine glass at Danielle. Like Bravo needs to be more sparing with what they're giving to be continued because <laughs> this is a to be continued. Don't give me the fucking New Jersey ropes course. No, I'm on the edge of my seat. I think next week is going to be amazing. I think the whole season is going to be amazing from here on out because now the dynamics have really flip-flopped and we're seeing a side of people. Like, we did not see one thing about Kyle and Amanda this week. Do you realize that? That's how much was going on outside of this plot line. And God, I am so just happy. By the way, a few other things that I want to say about this episode. Never thought (laughs) that I'd feel so protective over Luke as I did when Austin told him to go make maple syrup. Like... First of all, fuck you. Second of all, he, he truly showed the definition of a fuckboy and showed how last season, I think, Luke got the shitty end of the stick. I'm not saying that he was perfect. Definitely, he could have handled things better. But I don't think Luke ever, even on his worst day, exhibited the behavior that Austin did. And third of all, I don't think that making maple syrup is that easy. It's not. What are you doing all day, Austin? <laughs> That's what I want right. to know. Right. You fucking tap that tree and get me maple syrup, and then we'll talk. Right. That's exactly how I felt. Can we also talk about Maya for a second? Yes. I loved this. I Honestly, who knows what's going to happen with her and Oliver? I'm not saying this is her guy. It wasn't about that. It was that we were finally seeing her get in touch with like just her flirtatious side and all of these things that she had kind of suppressed. And it's so much more than just being flirty in a pool. It's such a journey of self-discovery. And I just loved this for her. I wanted her to be adored by someone, even if it was a momentary interaction inside of a pool. I just am so happy that she did this show at the time in her life that she's at, because I think it has been such a great growing experience and also like a confidence booster, I think, because you can't help but fall in love with her watching her on the show. I think she's made some really good friends. It seems that her and Paige and Sierra are like, I mean, they're literally sleeping in bed together all night. Like, how great is that? And it's kind of helped her to put herself out there. And like, I think beyond what she's just learning on camera, I think off camera, just being part of this experience is like the best healing that she needed after going through such a breakup. And like she said, feeling like she lost such a big part of her 20s, getting to live in the summer house is really like a crash course in your 20s. For sure. And I think that she's experiencing that. And also you're right. In addition to just, I think the confidence that comes from everything to do with this experience, also to watch the audience really take to her. I mean, that's a, you know, that's flattering. And and it, it goes to show you that like, you're such a harsher critic on yourself than other people are, because you're right. I watched this and I think she's not only dropped and gorgeous, but very smart, very empathetic, very fun to be around. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I enjoy watching her. I think she's a really great addition, which yeah, <laughs> brings brings me to my next point. <laughs> you noticed how uh, Alex was completely gone? <laughs> I think they gave up. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. I, I think they'll be back. <laughs> I saw him filming another confessional. I don't know about what, but I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. You know what? I, Sometimes 
they just get it wrong with casting and and that's okay. It wasn't like he took away from it. I just kind of feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think he really knew what he signed up for. Totally. That's exactly what I think happened. And listen, sometimes you just need another person for kind of a scene filler. And he had those few moments with Sierra that maybe were some filler scenes and that's okay. And and I hope he has a very fruitful career in his training (laughs) one. This is just not for him and that's okay. Agree. Okay. Let's do Jersey. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Do you think I'm being completely gullible here and far too optimistic? Or did you also find that this interaction between Marge and Jennifer was almost unusually genuine? I absolutely loved it. I'm not even going to lie. I don't care if it was real, fake, whatever. I think both of their ability to put the other bullshit to the side and Jennifer's actual need to have a girlfriend where she's willing to open up even to Margaret, who in some backwards way has caused this pain or re-caused the pain, showed how Jennifer really needed a girlfriend. And also Margaret having a real soft side and is such a girl's girl to say like, okay, forget it. Like I heard her and I'm willing to own that. I didn't know sort of the boundaries of the situation when I was bringing it up. You know, I figured in typical Jen fashion, you would just like brush it off, which is obviously wrong of Margaret to assume, but just like for them to put it all aside and have this really sweet, loving, open, caring, and honest conversation to me was like, okay, these are real people. Like these are not just characters on, 
like I said earlier, a soap opera. Like these are women. They're they're there and they are feeling for each other. Yes, that's how I felt. I don't I didn't look online at all. I don't know what people thought of this interaction, but to me, I think specifically because I was really disappointed with Margaret early on in the season and I typically really really like her. I felt like, okay, this is the Margaret that I know. Yes, yes. she caused this, right? Like that's that's sense. that's Margaret. Like whenever I say I love Margaret, this is the Margaret I'm talking about. I know. And it is so crazy because not only did technically she cause this, but also as we saw now that we know the whole story, because of Margaret's past and what happened in her relationship with Joe, it's it's uniquely interesting because obviously with this particular situation, she's the one that let the cat out of the bag, but also she's the one that's been in this situation on the opposite end. So right. it's very, very specific that actually now that we've been around the sun a few times, Jen is actually finding comfort in Margaret when she's the person that she's been the most triggered by. Yeah, the whole dynamic of the two of them, I find very just, I don't know, it's interesting. And I'm glad that we've gotten to this place because it was just going to keep getting more and more toxic. I didn't want Jennifer to start feeling more and more resentment towards Margaret because it was just going to make her feel worse and sicker and eaten up alive about this and feel so much animosity towards Margaret and the situation would never, ever heal itself. I know. I mean, the thing is, listen, like we know the deal here. There needs to be some sort of a drama. So even in the midst of this very, quote, beautiful moment, there's the conversation about Teresa. And we see how this plays itself out later in the episode. To me, I mean, am I wrong? Obviously, Teresa was doing some sort of digging. And even if she wasn't, why does that worsen the situation? Like the damage has already been done. And it's frustrating that this is still the plot that is like giving the the most of the drama here. Because I don't know, to me, whether or not Teresa was the one that sent Jen to do the digging doesn't make that big of a difference. Yes, it's frustrating. It's annoying. But- I don't know. It doesn't change things in the way that people were receiving that piece of information. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off though. Also, Dolores made such a good point. Just because Teresa asked Jennifer to do the digging doesn't make it any better that she did the digging. Like people can ask you or want you to do things all the time and you say no. Like Jennifer is not her puppet. So Teresa requesting or saying she should dig does not make it any better or take any of the heat off of Jennifer for doing the digging. You know, it's almost irrelevant. And it's like, Teresa started the rumor already. Now you're going to be more mad that she wanted to dig. Like you're, you're really like the balance is not right. The worst has already come out. Like, yeah, the digging seems a little bit inevitable when you look at kind of what happened. I almost think the issue in a way is that and I, I am cautious as I say this because I know we always say that the cast work the best when people are actually friends. And that's totally true. I mean, we saw in the last season of OC, we didn't feel like there were really strong friendships and that clearly led to the demise of the show. But I almost feel the issue here is that Melissa, Jackie, and Margaret are so close. And even Margaret said on Watch What Happens Live tonight, like she would never fight with Melissa. And that's great. I love their friendship and I enjoy them as people. Like I think in real life, I'd love to be friends with them. But when you already have three people out of a cast of what, six, that you know for a fact are not going against one another in any capacity, it limits the opportunity for arguments. And so 
in a way, part of me feels like everyone here is grasping at straws because the drama has to revolve around the Teresa situation since you have three people who you can count out from having any sort of a drama. And Teresa's down for being involved. I mean, she comes to the ropes course like a bat out of hell and I love her for it because even though she's completely in the wrong, she comes in with conviction. But do you know what I'm saying? That I almost feel like the arguments are starting to get stale because the amount of players that are willing to fight are, are less and less. And a lot of it has become around Louis. Teresa came to that ropes course in rare form. And we have seen Teresa in a lot of different situations and angry, upset, you name it. Her literally going to jail, divorce, her parents dying, etc. But she came to that ropes course like, I honestly, I can say, I don't think I've ever seen her like that. She, yeah, I mean, she was there for the kill. She was not happy. And as we know, Louis is a serious trigger for her. And I also think she just despises Margaret. Let's call it like it is. I actually think Margaret doesn't despise Teresa. I think she sees her for what she is, but I think Teresa absolutely despises Margaret with every single thing in her. And now Margaret, in her belief, at least is just giving her more reason like for why that's a correct thought process. And then you add Melissa in the mix and it's like, there's a lot of deep down resentment and animosity, I think, because Margaret and Melissa really do have like that big sister, little sister sort of bond. And they just so effortlessly get along with each other. And I don't think Teresa really realizes it or has ever recognized it in herself, but that definitely plays a role. It has to, of like how simply and easily Margaret and Joe get along with Melissa and Joe. Oh, for sure. I'm sure on some level that like that's there. Right. The other thing that I wanted to mention, which I know is completely separate from what we're talking about, is the Dolores David situation, because it both makes me so happy and so sad and happy in the sense that I love that his loyalty to her and to the family transcends anything going on with their relationship romantically and her mom's in crisis and he's going to be there. I mean, to offer for her mother to live with him, even though him and her are not speaking at the moment, that is the truest definition of loyalty and and a guy that really rises to the occasion. But it also makes me so sad that even with their deep love and respect for one another, they can't make it work. And like, I challenge myself because I do typically operate under the belief of things happen as they're meant to. And I believe that, but it's like, God, you guys have all of the pieces here. Like, I, I wish you could make something out of it. I know it's really sad. And I'm sure for her, it was so much harder to see his most loving, caring, nurturing side at the forefront and interacting with her family and wanting to take care of her mom. Like all the qualities that she fell in love with were right there in front of her in this moment and all of his bad things probably went away. And then for them to be in this weird space of like speaking, not speaking and the heartbreak I just, I wish it could work out. Like, I love them together. It's just, I understand that it isn't what she needed. It wasn't fulfilling her. I so get it. And I cannot blame her for that. I mean, she does deserve a guy that is going to spend the amount of time with her that she needs and deserves. Like I, you know, list how right I think she was, but it just sucks because I think that some of the qualities in David are unique among the type of men that she would typically date, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love Frank as much, if not more than the next guy, but there are parts of David that you're not going to find in Frank. And that I think that she probably has not found in in other men that she's dated and maybe is currently dating. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to OC and touch on some of that. Mm -hmm. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Here are my two top line thoughts about OC and really my only thoughts, actually. Number one, all I care about is Heather Dubrow's basement. And number two, I really like Jen and I can't help it. And I feel like we got to see a lot of her this week and I love her so much on her own and I hate her in a relationship. (laughs) Okay. First of all, yes, I just want to live in that basement. And I think every single scene is exponentially enriched by having that as the backdrop. And yeah, completely. I think that I'm not even saying he's a a bad guy necessarily. I don't think he is, but God, does he bring out a side of her that is so much less enjoyable than her on her own. My thing too is what I feel really bad about, not that any of this is anything to be ashamed of. And of course, this is her path and her story, but it just feels like such a cry for help that here she is on this new show with this new group of women who I don't think she knows particularly that well. And she's already exposing things that seem to me like private family members, like moving to the Airbnb. And I don't know, it just feels like she has gotten to such a place where she almost has removed herself from the situation in a way. Like it doesn't even feel like she cares to keep it private. And to me, that feels like, okay, she's already detached. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I always commend somebody for, if if it helps them to put that out there, I think that they should go for it. Like, I don't think that you yeah. need to suffer in silence, of course, by any means. I know you don't either. It's just interesting because I don't feel as though this is a situation where, and maybe I'm completely wrong in this. I don't know. I don't feel as a situation where she came on the show and then her life started to go into shambles. And now she's upset at the fact that she has to show all this. I actually think what you said about it being a cry for help, I almost feel like her going on the show is how you hear about people saying, yeah, we had trouble in our marriage. So we decided to have a kid to see if that would fix it. Like there's a part of me that feels like maybe she thinks this entire experience could either reinvigorate the situation or I don't know, help her start the process with him in a way that she couldn't do it if she didn't need it for the plot line. I don't know the exact reason I haven't figured that out in my mind yet, but there was something there because you don't just start on this journey knowing the situation in your marriage and not taking that as a factor when you decide to go on. So yeah, for sure. I also hate this whole thing about Noella almost does not want anyone to feel pain in their life because it could never be worse than what she's going through. And it's like, you can't compare and you also especially can't make people feel bad about it. Like the whole whispering situation when they were at Shannon's house to make Jen feel even worse about what's going on and almost always bring it back to you. It really is pissing me off. Yeah. I've, I've checked out on her. I, I really me tried. Too. It's not even like I saying I, I can't stand it. That's not what I'm saying. I just, I can't connect. I'm having a very hard time connecting because I find yeah. her to be so deeply inauthentic, even though I think at times she feels that her real strong point is the authenticity in which she can phase. It's not landing for me. Maybe it's landing for other people, but like, listen, 
I'm the first one to say I got it so wrong with Emily. This whole beginning of the season for the first two episodes, I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand the hype. And I I've stand, really come- I love her. I stand yeah. Emily. I'm saying I was so wrong. I was like so dead wrong on that. I really came along. I think she is very real. I appreciate her openness. I like her takes. I think she's intelligent. I don't know. I, I enjoy Emily and I was wrong on that. So maybe I'll be. I'm obsessed with Gina. Yeah, you're you're bigger on Gina than I am, I think. I literally love Gina. I think everything she says is funny and witty. I like her energy. I like how she is with Heather. I love how she is with Emily. I think she's a girl's girl. I think she's so open about her story, her struggles with Matt. She's not afraid to own who she is. She's not afraid to say like, yeah, Heather has the fucking craziest house and I don't. And you know what? It's funny. It's great. I don't care. It doesn't make me lesser than. I think she calls Shannon on her bullshit, which a lot of people don't do. And I don't know. That's just like my top line thoughts on why I love Gina so much. Honestly, you know what I think it is? It's that I think she would really thrive if the drama was juicier. But I think it's that I'm fed up with them making drama out of something that doesn't exist. Like realistically, Shannon saying she's got to put a pin in her ego. It's not going to make or break it. But in a pretty lackluster season, I understand that that's a big point. I I think Gina's a great narrator, but she just doesn't really have that much to narrate. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So next season, they keep Heather hundred percent, keep Gina, keep Emily, bring back Tamara, Vicky. I mean, we're talking there. I know there's gotta be something. They're close. It's better. It's definitely better. I'm able to sit down and watch an episode and not feel like I want to rip my eyeballs out. So that is for sure progress. And I actually enjoy a lot of it. I mean, how are you going to be in Heather Dubrow's basement and not on some level being enjoying yourself? (laughs) That definitely helps. God, I miss Miami, but I don't even like it's too sensitive of a topic, actually. I know. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> too soon. By the way, though, when Gina Keo popped up at Jen's party, I felt the same way as when they gave me a Leah Black name drop. Yes, at a left fucking field, she comes out. No one told me Gina Keo was coming. I know. It really, really brought me back. Do you know what I'm going to say? What? To the Lynn Curtin era. I never forgot. Oh, God. No, you guys, like, (laughs) Emma literally is stuck in her Lynn Curtin era. I am stuck in the beginning of OC. I remember those days, Isabel, like you've never seen anything like it. Remember Tammy? Do I remember Tammy? Of fucking course. Uh, Yeah. Wow, what a time. I still think they used the the Kodo Takaza gates in the opening sequence of OC, even though no one lives there. Oh, my God. It's iconic. Yeah. Okay, well... That was fun. Anything else you want to add? I think that's it. I had a ball. Okay. Well, I love you so much. Love you. Love you guys. (laughs) We love you guys. And thank you for listening.